It's the Harlan Highway. Oh, speaking of singing, oh my God. Campfire Timmy drops in. Okay, can you believe it? It's winter time, and apparently this idiot who I hate wants to come in and sing some wintertime campfire songs, whatever that means. This should be migraine material, believe me. So get ready for Campfire Timmy later in the show. And then uh, we're also going to be uh, we're going to be peeling the layers back on some old sayings, old phrases that you've heard, you know, like the whole nine yards and that'll cost you an arm and a leg, those type of things. We're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, kind of, uh, you know, telling you where those came from and what they actually mean. So that'll be kind of interesting. And then we have a crazy news story, man. This is this is actually a crazy news story that I wish had happened to me. So that tells you I'm a crazy news story myself, okay? It, it, you got to hear this. It's pretty fascinating. And then uh, later in the show, we'll be reading some emails. A lot of you are, like, sad that I'm ending the podcast very soon, and you let me hear about it, so we'll be reading those. But we're here right now. We're still up and running. And you know what this is? This is the Harland Highway. Do you know my name? It's on the marriage certificate. I've never seen you before in all my life. Hold on to your airbag. The heartless, heartless monsters. All of you through and through. You're riding down the Harland Highway. Oh, yeah! You see a fallen star, that means a witch has just died. You clumsy idiot. The Harland Highway. All I want is to hear people say something again and to see people moving again. I'm Floyd Bernie, a rockabilly boy. Don't you understand? You're listening to Harlan Williams. I can't be your daughter. I'm a machine. Man, you've been dead a thousand years. Why, George, I think he's got it. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harlan Williams. What's up, Doc? Mister, if you're going to lose, you're going to lose right now. Don't leave me here! Oh, yes, you're going to lose. You're going to lose right now. Um, no, you're going to win, okay? You're on You're on the Harland Highway. There's, there's no losing on the Harland Highway. It's just a win, 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 win all day long, 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 long. Um, and speaking of long, 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 over the long, long, long many years of our society, uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of like kind of nutty old sayings that we have that we use. And like, uh, myself, a lot of you probably don't know where these sayings came from, what the origin of some of these sayings are. So today... I thought I'd, uh, I'd I'd pull the sheet back on some old sayings and give you a uh, a little bit of schooling on where they came from or apparently where they came from. So I got five or six of them here. I think it's kind of interesting. There's an old saying called balls to the wall. Have you ever heard of this one? Balls to the wall. And this one comes from uh, early aircraft throttles. Okay had a ball on the end of it. And in order to go full throttle, the pilot had to push the throttle all the way forward into the wall of the instrument panel. Hence, balls to the wall for going very fast. And there you go, balls to the wall. Unless, of course, and I hate to take this to a dirty place, but you're at a shell station out in the middle of nowhere... And there's a glory hole in stall number three. All right, forget it. Uh, balls to the wall. So here's another one. How about this one? I gave them the whole nine yards. Or you've heard that one, the whole nine yards. I was in a movie called The Whole Nine Yards with Bruce Willis. And this thing comes from during World War II. U.S. airplanes were armed with belts of ammo, which they would shoot during dogfights on strafing runs. These belts were folded into the wing compartments that fed their machine guns. These belts measured 27 feet and contained hundreds of cartridges. 
Oftentimes, the pilots would return from their missions having expended all of their bullets on various targets. They would say, I gave them the whole nine yards, meaning they used up all of their ammunition. Well, isn't that interesting? So, uh, I gave them the whole nine yards as a reference to, like, long belts of bullets. Very interesting. Okay, how about this one? Uh, It'll cost you an arm and a leg. We've all said that one. Oh, man, that new flat screen's going to cost me an arm and a leg. What the hell? What the well, What's Walmart charging? $15 for a 60-inch flat screen? That's a, yeah, that's about right. In George Washington's days, there were no cameras. One's image was either sculpted or painted. Some paintings of George Washington had him standing behind a desk with one arm behind his back, while others showed both legs and both arms. Prices charged by painters were not based on how many people were to be painted, but by how many limbs were to be painted. Arms and legs are limbs. Therefore, painting them would cost the buyer more. Hence the expression, okay, but it'll cost you an arm and a leg. Hmm. And a, a little in little brackets here, it says, artists know hands and arms are more difficult to paint. So there you go. Uh, it'll cost you an arm and a leg. How about this one? Bigwig. We've all heard the term, he's a bigwig. As incredible as it sounds, men and women took baths only twice a year, May and October. Women kept their hair covered while men shaved their heads because of lice and bugs and wore wigs. Wealthy men could afford good wigs made from wool. They wouldn't wash the wigs, so to clean them, they would carve out a loaf of bread, put the wig in the shell, and bake it for 30 minutes. The heat would make the wig big and fluffy, hence the term big wig. Today we often use the term, here comes the big wig, because someone appears to be powerful or wealthy. Good Lord! They put their wigs inside a loaf of bread and and heated it up? Yikes. That is, uh, that's pretty yeasty, man. Yikes. Um, What's this one? Oh, mind your own beeswax. How about this one? Personal hygiene left much room for improvement. As a result, many women and men have developed acne scars by adulthood. The women would spread beeswax over their facial skin to smooth out their complexions. When they're speaking to, speaking to each other, if a woman began to stare at another woman's face, she, she was told, mind your own beeswax. Should the woman smile, the wax would crack, hence the term crack a smile. In addition, when they sat too close to the fire, the wax, the wax would melt, therefore the expression losing face. Oh, so there's three in one right there. Mind your own beeswax, crack a smile, and losing face. Huh. Interesting stuff. How about this one? They aren't playing with a full deck. You know that one, right? Most of us aren't playing. If you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely not playing with a full deck. Common entertainment included playing cards. However, there was a tax levied when purchasing playing cards, but only applicable to the Ace of Spades. To avoid paying the tax, people would purchase 51 cards instead. Yet since most games require 52 cards, these people were thought to be stupid or dumb because they weren't playing with a full deck. Hmm. Interesting. How about this one? Minding your P's and Q's. At local taverns, pubs, and bars, people drank from pint-sized and quart-sized containers. A barmaid's job was to keep an eye on the customers and keep the drinks coming. She had to pay close attention and remember who was drinking in pints and who was drinking in quarts, hence the phrase, minding your P's and Q's. Wow. Okay, well, there you go. Just a, 
just a few, just to get your brain warmed up for the podcast. You know the podcast is requires a lot of thinking. So the, that's the origin of old sayings that we still use today, many of them. So uh, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, I wonder where the phrase up yours comes from. Let me make it up. Well, back at the dawn of the Industrial Revolution, when elevators are being, were being built, there were usually two elevators side by side in an office building. And when two people would get uh, standing in the lobby waiting for an elevator, one would say, are you going up or down? And the other one would say, up yours. <laughs> no, 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 that just didn't work at all. Stupid, just stupid. How about the saying, you're stupid? Yeah, I just earned that one. All right, cool. Well, let's move on, Roger. I think we got that out of ours. Enough with the old sayings. Let's move on to something newer, shall we? The Harland Highway. Crazy news story. That's weird. Wow. That's strange stuff. I think you're crazy. Okay, this story um, this story makes me a little jealous. It's a little scary, but it, it makes me jealous. I think I've talked about this before. This is something that I don't know why. Secretly, I wish this had happened to me. Um, it's very bizarre and twisted, but I don't know. For, for some reason, I thought that this would always be the uh, ultimate test of manlyhood. In this modern-day world where we live at Starbucks and wear designer clothes and drive around in our plush cars and we're so pampered and we're we're not that masculine or manly anymore unless you're like an NFL player or UFC fighter. But the average man is just kind of like, okay, I'm a man, I guess. And so I always thought what happened to this next guy in this crazy news story would, would put to rest... Any questions about my masculinity or my manhood uh, if, if this were to happen to me? And uh, it's a great story. It's about a guy that was jogging in Colorado and got attacked by a mountain lion and killed it with his bare hands. Why isn't that me? Take take a listen to this crazy news story. It's nuts. Travis Kaufman, an avid trail runner, went for a run last week west of Fort Collins, Colorado. And after about a quarter of a mile, I ended up hearing uh, some pine needles rustle, like a stick break. He expected a deer or a rabbit. He saw a mountain lion. I stopped and I threw my, my hands up in the air and I started shouting. It just kind of kept running and lunged at me. Um, it was going toward my, my face, so I threw up my, my hands to kind of block my face, at which point it grabbed onto my hand and wrist. And uh, from there, it started to claw at my face and neck. After several severe scratches and puncture wounds, Kaufman, who is 5'10", about 150 pounds, was able to pin the animal and suffocate it. Then he had to run three miles to find help. I feel really fortunate that the situation turned out the way that it did. Um, and I really feel like I made all the right decisions whenever I had to. Kaufman says he will run those trails again, but only with a friend. I mean, does it get any cooler than that? I mean, once you tell your friends that story, what's left? I mean, a, a, a mountain lion stalks you, attacks you, lunges at you, and you put up a fight, and you wrestle with it, and you grapple with it, and it's sinking its giant teeth into you, and those razor-sharp claws are ripping at your flesh, and you have the wherewithal to stay in the fight and strangle the thing, and you know you're not going to strangle a mountain lion, like, slowly. It's not like you grab it around the neck, and after, uh, you know, 10 seconds, it's out. Like, that thing's a wild predator. Those things, when they engage in battle, man, they're like a ball of fury and testosterone and primal instinct to kill or be killed. So this thing must have been like, it must have been like trying to grab onto a tornado, man. 
And this guy who, who's already surprised and has the element of surprise, and a lot of times people go into shock and they, they're not used to this un, unusual situation, so who would know what to do or how to think? So this guy's instincts kicked in. The warrior inside him kicked in. The strength, of the, the will to survive kicked in. And imagine the, the fight that this wild cat full of, of fury, wired to kill. Imagine the fury and, and the, the energy was expanding, expanding. Well, it was being suffocated. It wasn't just laying there. I'm sure its, its claws were flying and its teeth were gnashing. And, and uh, you know, the, the, those wild mountain lions, they have a thick neck, man. They have a, a thick throat full of muscles. I mean... That, that's, you know, it, it doesn't seem obvious on the surface, but, but their necks, the muscles in their neck is, is part of their weaponry. I mean, when they grab onto a deer by the throat or a goat or whatever they're hunting, I mean, they've got to have the neck muscle to hold on and pull another animal down and, and kill it. So it's not like you're grabbing onto a skinny little scarecrow kid. And so I'm sure the, the life went out of this, this mountain lion slowly. And it's just, it's just looking to kill you. And it's clawing away. And the cool thing is, too, is, you know, I used to talk about this. I used to say, I used to say probably if you went through all my podcasts, you'd find it. There was a time when, when I used to live in the Rocky Mountains in British Columbia. And at night, I used to go out and walk through the mountains by myself. I, it was like a test of my manlyhood, I guess. I was like 21. And I'd go out without a flashlight. I'd go out under the light of the full moon, and I'd literally go into the wilderness. And I'd go for an hour, two-hour walk down by the mountain stream through the Rocky Mountains. I'd do a great big circle and then come back out. I'd be on on a trail. I'd be on I'd be on the on the just the plain ground where there was no trail, and secretly in the back of my mind, I was like, "Man, wouldn't it be wild to be attacked by a, a mountain lion and fight it off?" And you know that's just stupid. When I think back now, I'm like, "What an idiot!" You know, yeah, there's not many people that would ever survive attack an attack from any wild animal, especially one that's an apex predator that that's that's, you know, it, it's designed to take down prey bigger than itself. And it's, it just naturally knows how to go for the throat and how to kill. It's, that's what it does. And I always said uh, in, in my story back then, I said, and, and the, one of the battle scars I always wanted was a great big scar under my right or left eye, like on my cheek, you know, just underneath my eye, like, like the... Uh, a, a claw mark scar. So that wherever I went, I was always reminded of my encounter and my, my conquering of a wild mountain cat. And of course, people would see it. And of course, girls would think it was so macho and sexy. You know, you could buy a fancy necklace at, at Macy's or you can get a, a fancy ring or you can get your ears pierced with diamonds, you, you big tough boys, you. With your jewelry in the nightclub, you big tough guys, or your tattoos. Ooh, I've got a tribal tattoo. Ooh, I've got a flaming skull. I must be tough. Ooh, I must be tough here in my uh, my Dolce and Gabbana dress slacks. That's what I mean. A lot, a lot of, a lot of men aren't tough anymore. A lot of them act tough. They slap a tattoo on or some diamond earrings, and that's supposed to be tough. But what I always thought would be tough is the friggin' scar of a mountain lion claw across your face. And that would be, that would be a real testament. That would be a, a real branding. And there'd be no taking it away. There'd be no manufacturing it. There was no walking into a store and planning it. There was, no, there was no attachment to it. It's just you were out. You got attacked by a mountain lion. It clawed your face. It left a scar. And you friggin' won, man. I mean, it's pretty cool. If I was that guy, I would have uh, taken the mountain lion and cut its claws out 
and maybe the head and kept the skull or taken the teeth out and made a necklace. When I was when I was working up in the bush as a forest ranger, um, I found a dead black bear, and I, I did that. I took an axe to its paws, and it was dead. I love nature. I love animals, but this, this creature was dead, and this was almost like a, a testament to this creature, to the fact that it lived. I mean, it could have just disintegrated into the forest floor, but... Uh, I love animals, and, and I wanted to, a memory of this animal, and I wanted to celebrate this animal. So it sounds barbaric, but, you know, to harvest an animal, you have to cut it, right? So I cut the paws off this bear, and I, uh, I waited till the, uh, the flesh decomposed, and uh, I cut the claws out of the paws, and I ended up taking the, uh, the teeth out of the skull. And I made a, a bear claw necklace that I have to this day. It actually hangs in my bedroom right beside my pillow on my light. I have a light beside my bed. And I have this necklace from my childhood. And even though I didn't get into a fighting match with a, with a mountain lion, this, this necklace is kind of like, a, I don't know, a rite of passage. Or it's, it's, it's just it's a symbol of a, a, a wild, natural moment in my life. And I didn't have to kill anything to do it. I don't believe in hunting and killing, but it's probably similar how the, uh, you know, the Hutu warriors and, and the African Bushmen and people like that, a lot of times a rite of passage for a young, a young man in a tribe, in an African tribe, was to go out and slay a lion and, you know, wear the claws and wear the teeth and and things like that, stuff that I don't really like, to be honest. But as I said, this this animal was already dead, and uh, and so I went ahead and did that. And and that necklace uh, has a lot of symbolism to me. It's a very important part of my life. I I look at it, and it it, it grounds me. It reminds me of my youth. It reminds me of of a time before the world was upon me. It was a time before I knew the, the evil ways or the big evil ways of the world and of, of mankind. And so uh, looking at that necklace every day brings me back to a spot when maybe uh, life was more wholesome and, and, and uh, innocent. And, uh, you know, we all have artifacts like that in our homes. But anyways... Um, I always liked the concept of, of duking it out with a wild animal, being victorious, of course, and not necessarily killing the animal the way this guy did, but although, although talk about bragging rights, what'd you do? Oh, I won the Super Bowl. Oh, what'd you do? Oh, I wrestled a wild mountain lion to the ground and choked it to death while it was trying to kill me. Which one do you want? Um... So, uh, so yeah, I always wanted to have that scar under my eye and uh, just be a badass, a mountain lion killing badass. Um, but it never happened. So um, my, uh, my bear claw and bear tooth necklace uh, will have to suffice until the day the attack happens. But I'll be ready, man. I'll be ready. Choke, 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 baby. Coming to get you, mountain lion. Hello? Hello? Hey, Harland, how you doing? This is cartoonist Jack. I hope you're uh, having a good start to your new year. Um, well, I mean, it's February, so <laughs> a month's gone by, but I hope the year's starting off good for you regardless. Um, I had a fun question for you that I like to ask people. Um, you've been in movies for quite some time, done quite a few acting things. So I was wondering, is there a movie that you really, really like that you wish people would have more appreciation for? Um, in my case, the one that I always bring up is I love the movie Toys with Robin Williams. Like, I can watch that movie so many times, and it's one of the go-to ones where I'm like, these effects in this movie and the stage design and the story is just always so much fun for me to watch. Um, so that would be my pick, but I wonder if you'd have a pick for a movie that 
you wish would get more attention and positive regard. Um, okay. Good calling you, and hope you're doing well. Take care. Well, there's a good question from Cartoonist Jack. Thank you, uh, Jack, or Cartoonist, if that's your first name. Maybe your last name's Jack, and your parents loved the funnies, and they said, let's call our boy Cartoonist. Or maybe that's just a title and your name's Jack. Either way, cartoonist Jack. Um, there's a couple of movies, actually, that come to mind that that, uh, that I really loved and was always uh, saddened that they didn't perform better at the box office because I thought they were uh, both incredible movies. One of them's an animated movie called The Iron Giant. And the Iron Giant kind of came out just before the dawn of the whole CGI revolution. It kind of, it kind of came out just before Toy Story and and uh, Shrek and all those all those you know when the big CGI uh, animated films uh, took over the universe. The Iron Giant I think came out maybe a year or two before that whole firestorm hit. And uh, it's really a beautiful movie. In fact, I think it was directed by, I want to say, Brad Bird, who's the guy who directed The Incredibles, I think. Don't quote me on that, please and thank you. Um, But uh, it it was uh, artistically, well, let's see. Yeah, director Brad Bird. Um, And uh, it only made $31 million. I say that as if, as if uh, you know, thirty-one dollars is a kick in the teeth, but the movie cost forty-eight million dollars to make. Okay, so uh, obviously people didn't show up in droves to see it, and um, and it's sad because it's really done well from an artistic point of view. It was kind of cutting edge animation at the time. It was like kind of kind of pseudo-realistic animation, almost bordering on graphic novel type. And it's a story about this little boy who uh, lives alone with his mother and he's lonely. And and one day he's rummaging around in the forest with his little toy rifle and he stumbles upon this giant robot made out of metal. And, and, uh, and, and the story sort of slowly incorporates the friendship of this boy with the, with this iron giant and it, it it incorporates the relationship he has with his mother and his mother's boyfriend and then it sort of kind of weaves into this bigger story where it turns into you know the little guy against the world and it turns into a story about um uh, the the big guy being misunderstood and the world trying to destroy something they don't understand. And it's almost like a King Kong story where this little boy and this giant robot form a, a love for each other. You know, a bonding type of friendship type of love. And it's very um, it's very emotional. It's very moving. And uh, it's, it's just beautiful to watch. And the animation is great. And the, the acting in the animation is great. The voice artists are great. And it's kind of an interesting ending. It starts off kind of, uh, you know, kind of carefree and like a little boy's adventure. And at the end, it's, I won't give it away, but it, it's about saving the world, for God's sakes. Um, so I was always surprised that more people didn't go and see The Iron Giant. And even if you're an adult, it's one of those movies that will resonate with you. Even though that, that type of movie seems like it's for a kid... Even as an adult, you will enjoy watching it. Uh, it's visually stunning. And uh, just the characters and the heart of the movie, the emotion in the movie is is just the right tone. It's not too sappy, like overly Disney sappy. Um, it's relatable because it's kind of, it's, it's like with real life people. It's not with like talking mushrooms and talking tortoises. And, you know, it's, it's about real people. And this weird creature that comes into their life. Um, so I recommend it, man. That's my first one uh, that I was surprised didn't do better, was under underrated. And then my next one is a live-action movie. And this movie kind of preceded all the uh, superhero movies from Marvel and DC. It preceded the, uh, the, the, the X-Men and the Spider-Man movies and all that junk. 
And it was a movie called The Crow with uh, Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee, the martial arts guy, his son, Brandon Lee. And the Crow movie was based on the graphic novel The Crow. And it came out in 1994. And it only made $50 million. Again, a lot of money, but uh, not a lot when you hold it up next to any other superhero movie or graphic novel movie. I mean, these other movies... You know, it's the Spider-Mans and the X-Mans and the, the 300s. And I mean, these things are bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars. And The Crow was just shot so beautifully. Uh, it, it, was, it was very kind of poetic. It's the story about a, a man and a woman who are murdered, who are madly in love. And, and the man can't fathom resting in the grave until he avenges the murders of his beautiful fiance. And so he was a rock and roll musician, a songwriter. And so he's, he had kind of a, a poetic heart, almost like a Jim Morrison from the doors. And, and he comes back from the grave and one by one, he picks off the vile scumbags that murdered and raped his beautiful fiance. And it's a story about retribution and payback and comeuppance and, and all that stuff. And uh, what I love about it, it's not overly flashy the way a lot of a lot of comic book movies are these days. It's it's very dark and sultry and kind of sexy and and you know it's it's about a guy that that has superhuman strength, but he just kind of like sulks in the shadows and he he appears out of a out of a dark alley and he appears from a rooftop. And, and he, he just got kind of a real uh, poetic kind of menace to him. And before he kills his victims, he kind of instills in them some kind of like uh, deep uh, wordsmithing. It's, it's just a real great fantasy of like literature and action and, and fantasy and, and uh, darkness and uh, it was really done well. And, and uh, sadly, the star of it, if you do decide to go and watch it, uh, as beautiful as the movie is and as great as Brandon Lee was in the lead role as the crow, uh, towards the end of the movie, there was a stunt where uh, the stunt involved Brandon Lee getting shot by a, a handgun. And the prop master who was in charge of the gun somehow didn't clean out the chamber and the, the, the prop gun was fully loaded. And so when they shot the scene, Brandon Lee was shot like four or five times in the chest. And he, he died making this movie. He was killed in the process of making this movie towards the end of the movie, thankfully. And there was even uh, a point in time where they, they weren't going to release the movie because it was such a morbid, horrible, horrific uh, part of the, the movie. But thank God they did release the movie. And it, it just makes me sad because Brandon Lee, like, he really shined in this part. And, and I wanted to see more. And he had a real sensuality and he had a real uh, menacing kind of power and energy and... He had this this look in his eyes that and this grin on his face that was he just I don't know just if you watch his body language in the movie and the way he skulks around and the way his body moves and the way he fights and the way he crouches and jumps it's it's really magical and um, and so this movie I I don't know if it didn't do well because of the publicity surrounding his death I feel like they kind of tapped down the, the publicity on the release of it because they were they're worried about being too insensitive on profiting from a guy dying in the movie I'm just kind of speculating there but I, I feel like I remember that kind of vibe in the air when it came out uh, so the movie under underperformed financially you know compared to how these types of movies do nowadays right um so uh, another one that uh, that I really loved, really, it's one of those ones I can watch again and again, and uh, 
and I think you'll really love it. So if you haven't seen the very first Crow, they did a few crappy sequels afterwards with, with other actors, and it didn't work. None of them worked. But the first one, they nailed it. And if you want to have even more of a good time with The Crow, I recommend you find the original graphic novel, which I had read prior to the movie coming out. And the original graphic novel of The Crow is really like, it's like a comic book mixed with a book of poetry and the macabre and the occult. And it's a real, you know, masterful mix of all those components. And so whenever a movie comes out based on something you read or saw, you're always like, oh, they're not going to do it justice. It's going to suck. It's, it's never as good as the book. Well, the movie The Crow came out, and I was delighted. It was one of those rare, rare movies that, that lived up, in my opinion, to the, to the, the, the literature, the, the graphic novel in this case. And so uh, it was just a win-win and uh, really sad to know that, that the, the star was killed. But I got to tell you, the, the, the movie itself is about death and resurrection and revenge. And, and you know, it, it, it's kind of a very mystical film in that regard. And the fact that, that, uh, that Brandon Lee was killed in the movie almost, and, and, and I don't want this to sound insensitive or too morbid, but, but in a way it adds to the mystique of this movie. Uh, the death of, of Brandon Lee adds to the mystique of this movie that is about death and dying and, and coming back and, and murder and... In a sense, the, he was murdered to a degree. I mean, I don't think it was maliciously, but he was killed by another human being right there on the set of a movie about being killed by other human beings. So it just adds to the kind of mystique and the enchantment of the whole crow uh, kind of vibe, you know? Um, so there you go. Great question. And so the crow and the iron giant are my two picks for movies that were kind of underperformed and, and underappreciated. Uh, I'm sure the people that saw them appreciated, but I, for, for whatever reason, they never really got out there to the masses. So uh, if, if, you, uh, if you want to uh, try and trust me and take my word for it, I hope I'm right, but I recommend both those movies. Uh, check them out when you can. So thank you for your call, Mr. Cartoon. Mr. Cartoon Jack. And uh, isn't that nice that one of my picks was a cartoon? I just realized that. Uh, you know, it's funny how the world works, how everything uh, goes around in a circle. Um, so there you go. Thanks for the call. And uh, let's move on, Raj. What do we got? Hi. What? What the hell? Hi, it's me, Campfire Timmy. What the hell? What? Roger, what? How the hell? What? What's he doing in here? I don't know how he got in here. What are you talking about? You're the guy in charge of the the the, the room here. You're the guy sitting in the booth. You book my guests. What? What? Why'd you let him in here? For God's sake! I did not let him in. Good Lord! What's the matter with you? What's the matter with me? I, I'm in the middle of a podcast, Timmy. Oh, is that what you call it? Sounds more like a toilet flushing. And a hard chickpea log smashing against the toilet rim. A hard chickpea log. You heard me, Dimble Bimble. What the hell is a hard chip chickpea log, you idiot? It's when an Indian goes to the toilet. When an Indian goes to the toilet. That's right. They do a chickpea log. What is a chickpea? It's an Indian tribe, dummy. Don't, don't call me dumb. It's a, a chippapee log. That's right. When an Indian drops a, a double deuce, it's called a chippapee log. And that's what you sound like when you talk. What the hell are you doing here, Timmy? Shut up, garbage dump teeth. Garbage dump teeth. That's right. You ever think about buying a paint roller and rolling the shit off your mouth? What? Watch your mouth, kid. Watch your fat ass, you blubbered tooth walrus. Kid, I'm not going to sit here and let you bust into... Thanks a lot, Roger. I'm not going to let you bust into my studio 
and take over and start being a doorknob. Why don't you slam your head in a door till it turns into salami, you fat, puffed-up bag of cheese farts? Shit, kid! What? What do you want? I'm here to do campfire songs. It's the middle of winter. What are you talking about, Dorco? Dorco? How about you suck Godzilla's clit? God, suck Godzilla's clit. Yeah, get down on your knees and suck it like a Tokyo fireman. Suck it like a Tokyo fireman. Where do you come up with this stuff, kid? From your wife's face. What? What are you talking about? You're doing campfire songs. Well, I've never done any in the winter. So just because there's no kids at the at the camp doesn't mean there's stuff not happening at the camp. So we could do campfire songs. What are you? Are you out of your mind? You're not supposed to be in here till the summer. Well, why don't you look out the window, Dingle Dump? Does it look like summer? You know what all that white stuff is? It's called snow. Kind of like the dandruff around your bleached asshole. What? Watch your mouth, kid. I don't have dandruff around my bleach. I don't even have a bleached asshole. That's not a, what, what it says on the bathroom wall down at the shell station. What the? What are you doing? I'm going to do some songs. About what? The winter time at the campsite. Oh my God, just when I didn't think hell could freeze over, you walk in with your stupid mental guitar. At least I can play an instrument. All you play is your fat pimply face in the mirror at night and pop zits like a lizard sucking spaghetti out of a piggy bank. What the f- What does that even mean? You heard me. (laughs) A lizard sucking spaghetti out of a piggy bank. Yeah, laugh all you want. Einstein, Einstein's ass. Kid, oh my God. You know what? Do your stupid songs and get the hell out of my studio. It's about time. Just shut up and do them and get out. I'll do them in my own sweet time. Why don't you go down to the clock shop and suck a cuckoo clock right up your cuckoo cock. Suck a cuckoo clock up my cuckoo cock. You heard me. Oh, my. Do your stupid. What's your first song, kid? Well, at the campsite. Yes. Every summer we splash around in Lake Ninaganawag. Lake Ninaganawag. That's right. Okay. But in the winter, it becomes a freezy lake. It, uh, It becomes a what? A freezy lake. A freezy lake. That's right. You can't just say a frozen lake. It's a freezy lake. What planet are you from? Toasted grilled cheese sandwich. Twat. Oh, my God. Kid, sing your stupid freezy lake song and get on with it. Okay, I am. Shut up so I can sing. Hurry up. Shut up. Hurry your ass up, Timmy. Shut your garbage bag lips, fat thundercloud tits. <laughs> oh, my God. Fat thundercloud tits, huh? That's right. Sing Freezy Lake and hurry up. Okay. One, two, one, two, three. Oh, it's winter time. It's winter time. The wind is blowing cold. The wind is blowing cold across the great big lake. But why is the lake not blue? Why is the lake not blue? Because the lake is white. It got frozen overnight. Oh, freezy lake, freezy lake, freeze. Hurry up! Shut up! Are you done? Freezy like go freezy like go free 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 free
my god! Shut up! Holy crap, kid! Yeah, your mouth smells like... Holy crap! So sounds like a school of nuns took a chestnut loaf in your teeth. What the hell? Freezy Lake. That's right. Good. Are you done? No, I got two more. I always do three. Oh, good Christ on a cranberry bun. Yeah, that's right. You better get a cranberry bun. What is your next song, Timmy? Well, every year when the camp closes and it's winter time. Okay. They turn the canoes over. Okay, yes. So that's what it, this next song's about. It's a campfire song. Oh, my God. Hurry up. Do it. Shut up. Do it. One, two, one, two, three. Oh, the snow is here. Jingle, jingle, jing. Jingle, jingle, jing. The snow is here. Twinkle, twinkle, chink. Twinkle, twinkle, chink. Covered up canoes and taffy. Co Wait a minute. What? Covered up canoes and taffy? It's a candy. What does taffy have to do with covered up canoes? It's a campfire song. Shut up. Oh, my God. Covered up canoes and taffy. Chewy, chewy taffy. Covered up canoes. Snowflakes, they're a-fallin' on covered up canoes. But what do's I do's? I chew some taffy in front of covered up canoes. <laughs> what do's I do's? That's right. Yeah, who wrote that lyric? I did. What do's I do's, covered up canoes, and taffy? That's right. Now why don't you go stretch your face across a tennis net and suck a badminton racket up your ass. Oh my god. Hurry up and do your last song, Timmy. Eat garbage bag farts. Hurry up. Okay, here it is. What's it called? It's a surprise, but a guy like you will probably really love it. Oh god, hurry up and get it over with, kid. Okay, one, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Oh, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, 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 four. Suck my dick. Suck my motherfucking dick. Suck my dick. My motherfucking dick. Suck my Hold it, hold it, stop, Roger, stop. Suck my motherfucking dick. Suck, suck, stop, turn it off. Suck my motherfucking dick. Suck it, suck it, suck it, turn it off. What the hell was that, Timmy? What? 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 What the hell song was that? It was a campfire song. That, no, you do not say those words. You don't sing them. You don't say them. Oh, like you're not familiar with those words. Hot Tommy Timber Toes. Timmy, you, that's it. I want you out of here. You do not. That was disgusting, vile. And rude, you don't say those words. You don't sing about them. Oh, and who's going to stop me? You and your garlic bread fucking thunder teeth. Timmy! Suck my motherfucking dick. Suck it, suck it, suck it. Timmy, get out! Roger, turn off the music. God, turn it off. What in the hell is wrong with you two? Sometimes I think you're working as a team, for God's sake, just to piss me off. Suck my... Oh, my God. That is about the most vile song this kid has ever played in here. Holy... You know what? Go to a commercial. I need to take a breath here. This is just... I'm going to get, good Lord, go to a commercial. God, suck a motherfucker. Fresh is a walk through the woods on an early spring morning. Fresh is a gentle breeze that takes you by surprise. Fresh is simple with Summer's Eve, the most convenient disposable douche you can buy. This exclusive one-piece unit means there's nothing to assemble. 
and it's available in two fragrances, or vinegar and water. The solution doctors recommend. With Summer's Eve, freshness has never been simpler. Oh, my God. You know, I talked about it last week. I, I, I gave you guys the bad news, you know, tried to tell you a few episodes out, let you down easy that the, the Harland Highway is coming to an end. And as painful as it, as it was to tell you that, uh, you know, it's up, just something I had to do. Something, uh, it's time to move on, try different ventures. But uh, right away, I got a lot of mail uh, emails from people and voice messages, and I'll, I'll play a few of them as we go along towards the end here. Uh, here's one by uh, ERT Weedy. Uh, he says, dude, I've been a pavement pounder since episode 20. I'm so sad the podcast is going away. It is without a doubt my favorite podcast. Please keep everyone up to date on what you'll be doing next. I seriously am going to have trouble with not laughing with you every week. Take care, Brosefiosh. You'll be missed. And if you're ever in Dallas, let me know. I'd like to take you out for a beer and a big steamy pile of chicken chow mein. Um, And then he says, P.S. I was kind of banking on you doing this podcast forever. So what am I supposed to do with all these damn email addresses? And then I don't know if he's joking or if he actually bought all these email addresses, but they're all email addresses from characters I've done. AuntRuthie.CallingGmail, Campfire.Timmy, CarlFlavorsGmail.com, DeadJuliaChilds, DrAscott at gmail.com, DrCharlesAssmunch, I'm Cinnamon Boy and I love Cinnamon at gmail.com. Kim Jong Un at gmail.com, Mr. Featherstone, Moon Grow Restaurant, gmail.com, Professor Rutherford Grimes, Papai Rabenheim, Samuel E. Quauk, Senor Fuentes, Dennis LaPerriere. I don't even remember Dennis LaPerriere. Who's that? Lieutenant Tom Dowdy at gmail.com. So, oh my God, just, God, you hear all those characters, and that's just some of them. And, uh, yeah, it makes you sad. I, I'm going to be sad that I'm not doing it anymore. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful to you, ER Tweedy or Weedy, that you were a pavement pounder since episode 20. My goodness, that means you've been listening for probably over six, seven years. Um, so it is sad that it's going away. And thank you for saying it's your favorite podcast. I mean, there's so many podcasts out there to be, to be classified as your favorite is a high compliment, sir. I, I take that with a great gratitude. Um, and, uh, you know, just like I said, I'm, I'm moving on, putting my focus on some other endeavors that, uh, you know, I've done this for, I think almost 10 years and it's, it's been a ton of fun. But I'm at a point where I'm like, I just want to kind of expand my horizons and, and branch out into something fresher and newer. And who knows? This is this is a little hint, but I might I might come back as a new podcast, completely different style, completely different format, completely different structure. That is something that I've thrown around in my head. Um I can't leave this podcast without knowing that I gave it my very best effort. I mean, nine, ten years, that, that's, that's a lot of effort right there. So as I said, it never really caught on the way I wanted. And that's not really why I'm ending it. I'm, I'm, I'm really ending it because it was fun for me. It made me laugh. It was creative. It was a lot of work. But, um, you know, you get to a point where it starts to feel like familiar territory. And even though I can keep doing it and making it funny, it's not as challenging to me as it once was, or it's not as fresh to me as it once was. And I, I'm the type of guy that always wants to kind of try new things and, and, and get my blood pumping and do something that's a little more fresh. Now, I could do this till the day I die and still have a blast with it. But um, why not try other things, you know? So maybe I'll come back as as a, another incarnation. I don't know. Um, but uh, again, thank you so much for, um, you know, saying what you said. Uh, here's another uh, one by, uh, by another pavement pounder, another email from John Marcus. 
Uh, it says, wow, Harland, you were one of the first and were the best. You truly had the best show by far, so thank you. It seemed like a huge amount of time and effort went into it. You will be missed, but God bless you and onward and upwards. You rock, my final chicken chow mein. Did you crap your nappies, as Dr. Ascot used to say? Thanks, friend, John Marcus. Well, John, thank you for the kind words. I'm, I'm so glad that you uh, enjoyed the show, that it brought you some, some joy and some happiness. And uh, that's what it was all about, man. Just, just uh, you know, make, make people laugh. Um, let's do another email. Here's a, oh well, here's a. <laughs> I guess this, Mister Weedy really did buy these Gmail sites because here's a, an actual email from Samuel E. Quauk at gmail.com. So. Good work, Mr. Weedy. I guess you were hoping to maybe cash in and sell me the the, the websites or the, the, the domain names or something one day. I don't know what you were planning to do. But in the voice of Samuel E. Quauk, he wrote, Ending the podcast. Do you mind? I listened and appeared on the podcast and had my friends listen. There was one, Mary, who particularly enjoyed the content. We'd sit and listen to the show, gazing deeply into each other's eyes. She leaned in for a kiss and slipped her fu- and slipped her beautiful face bouncing off the table over and over again like tribal drums, slipping down off the table towards the fireplace. Her lovely lacy clothes, certainly the most flammable thing in the room, her voice intoxicating as she runs screaming throughout the house. Well, that was sort of a half-assed attempt at Samuel E. Quauk, but so uh, the the Samuel E. Quauk imposter just wrote me uh, about the um, the uh, the dingle dangle the uh, the uh, the podcast ending. So uh, let's do one more, Roger. You know, I I figure if people hung in all these years and now that that, that it's ending, they deserve to have their say. Here's a uh, here's an email from Levi Allen. She says, Harland, after hearing you're not doing the podcast anymore, I was depressed. So I said to myself, what the hell am I going to do now? Lately, I've heard about emotional support animals, so I decided to get one. I got a 2.2-pound brown trout named Brownie. I birthed him right after I heard the news. People have given, been giving me weird looks when I'm out and about with him, but I don't care. Brownie makes me smile. You sure it's not a Chippecawa log? Oh, my God. And he says, Sirius, love you, Harland. I'm really bummed about the news. I hope you change your mind and maybe can do it once a month. This is the only podcast I like. You're the best comedian ever and the best podcaster ever. Just because everyone has a podcast now doesn't mean anything. Nobody else is Harlan Williams. Please don't stop. Brownie sends his love. Love, Levi from Denver. Well, Levi, again, thank you for the kind words, man. And I know, I'm sorry. I I hate the idea of letting you guys down and stopping and not doing the podcast anymore. And and the the, the wonderful uh, kind words you said mean so much to me. Um, and you know what? Keep the channel open. Don't delete it. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything to leave it open. So I have a feeling every now and then when I'm bored or I have some extra time on my hands, I'll sit down and crank out a a random episode of the Harland Highway. I just, I can't promise it, but I have a funny feeling every now and then you're just going to get a notification and you're going to be like, what the hell? A Harland Highway episode? What? And, and there you'll have one, just for old time's sake. So uh, keep it open. And also keep it open just so that if I, when I do start doing something new, I will definitely alert you guys on the Harland Highway channel. So um, thank you so much. And we also got, we've been getting some phone calls from people about the podcast ending. And we'll get to those on the next show. But as you can tell, my voice is a bit shaky. I'm emotionally disturbed after Campfire Timmy was in here and pretty much mind-raped me. What a dork. 
Uh, so, Roger, let, let's close up the show. We're almost at an hour here anyways, and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll be back next week uh, for episode 983 as we wind down and get ready to close the door, close the toll booth on the Harland Highway podcast. But when, up until then, it's still going to be the best it can be, quality, campfirey. And oh, forget it. All right. We'll see you next time, gang. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your, your letters and your phone calls. And uh, until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. You fat puffed up bag of cheese farts. <laughs>